Chapter Five, Part Two of Throckmorton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Throckmorton by Molly Elliot Sewell. Chapter Five, Part Two. When the knowledge first came to these two people, to Judith that Freke's eyes followed her continually, that, as if by some power beyond his will, his chair was always next hers, his ear always alert to catch her lightest word. To Freke, that this young countrywoman with her spirited, expressive face, her untutored singing, for music was one of his weak points, or strong ones, as the case might be, her gentle sarcasm, when he essayed a little sentiment, pretty and tender enough to please a woman, who knew twice as much as she that at first sight without an effort she had conquered his bold spirit it is hard to say which was the most vexed and disgusted judith found it easy enough to play the inconsolable widow where a man who aroused a positive antagonism like freke was concerned and denounced him in her own mind as a wretch for daring to fall in love with her and freke after new york women and creole women french spanish russian english and italian women to have been loved and petted and virtually made free of women's hearts that this unsophisticated virginia girl who had never seen six men in her life should simply take him off his feet and that without knowing it was simply infuriating in the privacy of his bedroom as he smoked his last cigar before turning in he swore at himself with a self-deprecation that was thoroughly genuine. What did he want to marry again for, anyway? Hadn't he all he wanted of that pastime? And, of course, being a divorced man, Judith would see him chopped into little pieces before she would marry him. And then the staggering thought that, even if he were not divorced, the odds were against her marrying him at all. It was altogether maddening but he did not lose his head completely judith's indifference nay dislike saved to him his discretion but had she warmed to him for one little moment freke in thinking over this sweet impossibility lay back in his chair and watched the smoke curling upward and was lost in a delicious reverie when suddenly the utter preposterousness of it came to him and he threw the cigar into the fire with a savage energy that nearly wrenched his arm off no the little devil for he was not choice for epithets in regard to this woman would throw him away with as little conscience and remorse as he threw that cigar away like all men of many love affairs he regarded love-making as an ascetic amusement and while it was absolutely necessary for its perfection that the woman should be desperately in earnest for Freke did not mind a tragic tinge being given to the matter. It was nonsense for a man to permit himself to be drawn into heroics. And yet, but for the indifference of this girl, who was always half laughing at him, he would not answer for any folly he might commit. Then there was Jacqueline. She exactly suited him as a victim to his charms, sardonically expressing it to himself. She, too, was not particularly impressed with him as yet but that was due to her ignorance he could easily enlighten her and she would be led like a slave by him 
he could make her believe anything so in default of judith he might as well amuse himself with jacqueline and by resolutely concealing his gigantic folly he would in the end overcome it but he felt like a man who having a head to stand champagne and brandy and absinthe and every other intoxication comes across something that looks as harmless as water but which sets his brain on fire and makes him a madman the general and mrs temple saw nothing a man might have made love to judith and have run away with her under their very noses before they would have realized that it was possible for any man to dare falling in love with beverley's widow and if jacqueline's eyes saw anything she kept it wisely to herself freke certainly added a new and picturesque element to their lives even judith could not deny that although she habitually denied freke the possession of any of the graces as well as the virtues but that freke was a wonderful a gifted a fascinating talker she was forced to admit his conversation was quite different from throckmorton's manly plainness of speech who with more brains than freke had not them as readily soluble in talk judith was acute enough to see the difference between the two men one the man of conversation and the other the man of action throckmorton knew many things and one thing surpassingly well his profession freke excelled in conversation what he knew was imposing but what he could do was not however he had not only travelled but he had observed as well as read he never made himself the hero of his own stories and there was a sparkle in his eyes an animation that gave a deeper tone to his voice and judith in her dull and colourless life could not but feel the charm of it nevertheless it was not all charm judith felt as strongly as ever the incongruity of freke with his surroundings so some days more passed judith found that in finesse she was no match for freke indifferent to him as she might be he could always place himself where he wanted he managed to have a great deal more of her society than she would willingly have given him but she reasoned shrewdly with herself women being naturally clever in these things he will soon give it up the game is not worth the candle and so it proved for in a little while he began to shadow jacqueline and jacqueline succumbed like a bird to the charmer if freke was present jacqueline who was wont to be impatient when not noticed would sit quite quietly by her sister-in-law's side sewing demurely or walk beside her gravely not opening her mouth but listening intently as her changing colour showed one day when jacqueline went into the gloomy darkened drawing-room to play freke followed her jacqueline sat down and began some short familiar piece but she could not render it she missed notes became confused and finally gave up and left the piano in mortification it is because you are here she said to freke with a child's resentment is it little girl he asked he was sitting quite at the other end of the room and did not come near her but something in his tone made jacqueline halt and brought the ever-ready blood into her cheeks freke after a moment rose and sauntered toward her as he came up to her he took a stray lock of hair that had escaped in curly perversity from the comb and just as he stood with it in his fingers the door opened and simon peter announced 
Walk right in, Master George. Mistis, she's counting de tuckies in de coop. But Miss Judy, she be long Presley. Hi, him as Jackie. Throckmorton walked in. His eye, which was as quick as a hawk's, caught the whole thing in an instant, and a sort of jealousy sprang into life. Of course, he did not display the smallest symptom of it. He shook hands pleasantly with Jacqueline and also with Freak, whom he had met several times. With his easy, worldly judgment, he by no means ranked Freak as the chief of sinners, but, without regarding him as a model citizen, found him extremely good company, which Freak certainly was. Jacqueline looked painfully embarrassed, but Freak's coolness was simply indomitable. The two men made conversation naturally enough, while Jacqueline, awkwardly silent, sat and twisted the unlucky lock of hair in her fingers, until a diversion was created by Judith's entrance, with little Beverly clinging to her skirts. A faint, girlish blush came into Judith's face when she met Throckmorton, and for his part he always felt the charm, the refinement, the sprightliness, more piquant because subdued, that exhaled like a perfume wherever Judith was. Beverly made for Throckmorton, and before his mother could interpose a warning hand, was perched on the arm of Throckmorton's chair, whence both of them defied her. Jacqueline made but one remark. She asked Throckmorton timidly, How is young Mr. Throckmorton? At which the Major scowled, but responded carelessly that Jack was all right, as far as he knew. Young Mr. Throckmorton, and from those lovely lips. Presently, there was a grinding of wheels and a commotion at the front door. Mrs. Sherrard, I know, said Judith. She always begins her salutations at the gate. Sounds were distinguishable. Mistis be mighty glad to see you and Mars Edmund. She down at de fattening coop, counting de tuckies, case we didn't have no luck with de tucky eggs last season, and de waffless ten tuckies. So much for Simon Peter, when Delilah's voice broke in. Miss Kitty, twenty hen tuckies tall. If de gobblers was to take turns like de pigeons a settin' on de eggs. I always did think them he pigeons looked like de foolishest creatures I ever seen a settin' on de nest. Why de she pigeons hopping round de grounds, stid a minding de business? You are right, Simon Peter, answered Mrs. Sherrard, still invisible. I wonder that Delilah hasn't profited by Mrs. Temple's example. You've got visitors. Whose hat is this? Mas George Throckmorton's and Mas Temple Freak's. I gwi tell Mistress you here. Mas can leave de chamber yet. He gout so bad. Mrs. Sherrard marched in, followed by Edmund Morford. She wore her most commanding and hostile air. She had pooh-poohed Mrs. Temple's dread of freak, but she meant to give him to understand that his goings-on, and particularly his matrimonial difficulties, were perfectly well known to the southern neighbourhood, and properly reprobated. So she shook hands all around, followed by the Reverend Edmund, who never trusted himself at Barn Elms with those two pretty young women, alone and unprotected. I understand you have bought Wareham, remarked Mrs. Sherrard tartly to Freke. I have, answered Freke, very mildly. You'll repent it. Not if you make yourself as agreeable as you ought, answered Freke. The impudence of this tickled Mrs. Sherrard. I hear you are an entertaining fellow, she said. Come and talk to me. Just then Mrs. Temple entered, but Mrs. Sherrard kept fast hold of Freke. In half an hour he had won her over. 
judith responding with an intelligent glance to a rather cynical smile on throckmorton's part saw it not satisfied with winning mrs sherrard over freke applied himself to morford and that excellent but guileless person fell an instant victim to freke's tact and power mrs sherrard was so pleased with her morning's visit that she invited them all over to turkey thicket to spend the following thursday evening End of chapter 5, part 2